This weekend is uh, Labor Day weekend, which we all know marks basically the end of the summer. Um, basically now, from now on, uh, after tomorrow, right, nice day off and just relaxing, not doing much, sleeping in. Uh, after tomorrow, what ends up happening is life kind of kicks back into gear. We get back in the rhythm, kind of in the flow of life, right? Kids are in school, game, you know, different uh, sports, different activities, all the stuff that goes with that just kind of happens. So Labor Day weekend is a, is a big weekend. It's also a big weekend because, like I said at the beginning of Mass, <laughs> LSU won 52, 55 to 3. Like, that, that's a big deal. Like, it's, it's kickoff of college football. And I don't know about you, but I'm a huge college football fan. Uh, some people would say, including my parents, that I went to uh, LSU because of college football, not on scholarship, just because I was a really big fan, right? Um, I, I know, like, for me, I, I, a lot of what I see in, the, in our world and see around us uh, is usually depicted in movies, and I can't help but every time I think about college football to think about college football movies. The college football movie, though, is Rudy. Rudy, to me, has a, has a lot of truth in it. It's kind of the, the, the quintessential story of the underdog. Um, it's always just like had a kind of soft spot in me, like the scene where all the players come in, turn their jerseys in because they want him to have a spot. And like there's a lot of really awesome spots in this movie. Well, one particular line in this movie, one particular line in Rudy really sticks out to me and relates to today's scripture. Today's scripture, we hear about humility. Now, if we, if we want to talk about humility, like Rudy had every reason in the movie to be humble. He was too small, he was too dumb, and he, didn't have any, and he wasn't athletic enough right, to, to, to achieve his dream of playing football at Notre Dame. Well, if we look at like, the story of, of you know, the movie, what goes on is, is he starts trying to fight, like trying to, trying to work at getting his goal. So if, you, if you're familiar with the movie, you know this, but he literally shows up on campus after a couple of things happen at home and like knocks on the door at Notre Dame and says, hey, I want to go to school here. Remember, he's too small, too dumb, and not athletic enough to play at Notre Dame. So he goes through all these different things, and one of the things happens is he goes to the small college next to Notre Dame to get his grades up so he can work and work and work so that he can hopefully one day be a student at the school at Notre Dame to first be a student so then he could be a football player. And he goes to this college and he, when he first gets there, he meets this old, like, wise priest. He goes through his years there and come to the last chance he's got to apply for admission to Notre Dame. The, right before he gets the letter, right, he's in the church and he's praying. This old wise priest walks up to him, and they have kind of this little exchange. It's kind of like they're catching up. They're talking a little bit. And he looks at the priest, and he says, I don't, I don't, know, what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, they don't accept senior transfers and all these other things. And he looks at him, and he says, maybe I haven't prayed enough. And the priest then, like, takes a moment, and he gives him some wisdom. And one of the things, the, 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 the main thing that the priest says, think, is, perf- is a perfect, perfect definition of humility. The priest looks at him and says, you know, I've come, uh, in my life, I've come to two irrefutable facts. I've come to believe two things that no one can convince me otherwise. The first, that there is a God. And the second, I'm not him. 
I think for us, that's a, that's a perfect example, a perfect definition of humility. Recognizing that there is a God, and I'm not him. There is a God, and I'm not him. Like, our world doesn't live that way. Our world really doesn't live in a space of, there is a God, and I'm not him. In fact, our world probably lives in a space of, I don't know if there's a God, or I don't believe that there's a God, or I outright say there is not a God, but if there is one, it's me. We, we, we take God off the seat of being God, and we try and put ourselves there. Our culture is a very, very me-centered culture, a me world, right? It's all about me, and everybody else is kind of a player in the, in the play of my life. It's just the way that our world kind of focuses things today, is that it's a me-centered world. I remember uh, I had the opportunity to go to World Youth Day a few years ago, and at one point during this trip, we, we had an audience with the Pope, and I was in a room, we probably had about three, five, three, 5,000 people, something like that. But I was about 30 feet away from the Pope. And I remember when I saw him, it was awesome because I see the Pope walking and I'm like, this is like the vicar for Christ on earth. This is awesome. And I remember sitting there like just recognizing the holiness of this man. And then for a moment, I glanced around the room. And about three quarters of the people in the room had their back to him. Honest to God, like three quarters of people in the room with the Pope had their back to him because they were trying to get the best angle for the selfie to put themselves in it. Because in a lot of ways, I think what happens is, is that I need to not only, like they were missing the experience of the Pope being right there by them, trying to bless people, trying to come up to people, and they had their back to him because they wanted to get the right angle on the selfie. Like, they were ready to report it before experiencing the thing that happened. Because I think a lot of times, like, it's just symptomatic of our culture that it's a me-centered world. In fact, I would, I would go so far as to say that humility, today's scripture, is kind of the antidote of a lot of things that we have, a lot of the issues that we have in our world today. I, I would go so far as to say that that definition from the movie Rudy, like, there is a God... I'm not him. We could probably add a third part. If we want to be truly humble, we live as if there is a God. I'm not him. But my life points to him. There is a God. I'm not him. But my life points to him. I think that's, a, it, it, that's worth examining for us. Like, I think that's worth laying my life next to that standard and say, do I live my life as if there is a God? Like as if he's real. Do I live my life as if there is a God and he's not me? Then I do, do I live my life in a way that there is a God, he's not me, but that my life points to him. That everything in my life points to him first and foremost. I think it's a fair question for all of us. Now, if whenever you hear that, you're like, yeah, that's me, Done. Yep, 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 I'm good. Congratulations. Uh, we're going to let you give the homily next week, right? Um, and that's awesome. Like, keep doing what you're doing. But I have a feeling that most of us, if not all of us, have a, may struggle at some point in our life to, to live as if there is a God, I'm not him, and that everything in my life points to him. I have a feeling that, I don't know about you, but I know I struggle on a daily basis 
that there is, to live as if there is a God, I'm not him, and that everything in my life points to him. And if you're married and you think that I got it, ask your spouse. If you're a kid and you think you got it, ask your parents. Because they'll be quick to tell you, I don't know about that. What about this? What about that, right? But I think for all of us, it's a, it's a, it's a way to examine how is it that I'm doing living this virtue of humility? How do I live my life that everything in my life points to God. There's a, um, one of the fathers of the church, uh, St. Benedict, St. Benedict of Nursia. St. Benedict was a, it, he was around in around the four or 500s, right? Uh, so this is 1,500 years ago or so. He was the father of modern monasticism. And he wrote, a, he wrote for his monks a rule. And in this rule, he basically put everything that it meant to be a Benedictine. Like how you were going to live in community, what you were going to be able to own, how much you were going to be able to eat and drink and things like that. Like he gave everything in this little bitty book. And one of the first chapters in this book, what he did was is he laid out 12 steps of humility. It's like the first 12-step program, right? Like 12 steps of humility. And I think three of them in particular we can translate to our world today for us. If we want to be humble, if we want to grow in living our life as if there is a God, I'm not him, and everything in my life points to him, then there's, there's, there's three things I think we can steal from St. Benedict. It's okay, it's not breaking a, breaking a law, right? Like, we can take it from St. Benedict and use it for us today. And it's just very, three very simple steps that if we, in, if we embrace them, if we make them part of our life, if we kind of make it the fabric of our life, what happens is that we'll live a life that looks a lot more as if there is a God, I'm not him, but everything in my life will point to him. So the first thing, um, and, and St. Benedict uses today's gospel as the way to kind of explain it. In today's gospel, Jesus is talking about this wedding feast. And he sees all these people coming in and taking the spaces of honor and getting the front seats and going sit at the head table and all this stuff. And Jesus says, don't do that. Take the lowest seat. He gives a reason today, but, but just the fact that he says, take the less desirable seat. Don't try and sit up front. Don't try and be where everybody can see you. Don't try and sit next to the influential people. Take the lowest seat. Now, I don't know about us, but we're probably not going to a wedding feast that's set up like this. Most of us, you know, got the buffet line, like just kind of corral your way through, eat up and have fun. But for us, how can we translate that into our life today? Um, as a kid, I'll be honest, if I went to a birthday party, I remember like my grandfather and I, we used to go scope out the cake beforehand. I want the corner piece with the flour. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, they got the middle piece and stuff, that's all right. Or, like, they got the lemon side, which is, like, for the old people, right? But, like, they have the chocolate-filled, like, flower corner. That's the one I want. Oh, yeah. Right? The most desirable piece. I was already scoping it out when I walked into the party. Or, if you, uh, if you order a pizza... You know, like somebody at Domino's is always trying to cut the pizza too fast. So you get like the massive like 90 degree slice with the little mutant sliver slice on side, right? You know what I'm talking about? You got, you got half of the pepper, you got half of the log of pepperoni on one and you got half of a pepperoni on the other, right? Like, I, you know what I'm talking about? And as a kid, you're like, I'm taking the big one. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of my, my fasting needs to be around food and it has some adverse effects, but we're not going to talk about that. Like, like. 
there was, you have the pizza or you have this, this birthday cake kind of thing. Like there was always, as a kid, there was always this sense of like, I want to be selfish. I'm going to take and feed myself. And what St. Benedict is saying, and what I think Jesus is saying to us today, is that he's calling us to take the less desirable thing. Let others go before us. Let others take the best thing. Take the second best on purpose. Like embrace something that is going to give us not quite, not the most desirable thing. How does that look? You're in, you're in Walmart. Man, I got a... I got a grocery full of stuff. I got a grocery bag full of stuff, like a big old buggy full. And somebody walks up and they've got three things. Let them go. I'm in traffic. I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to fight, you know, the, the hours of like two to seven in Matthews, like trying to drive. I'm, I'm dealing with stuff and all of a sudden it's like somebody needs to pull out. I let them. I'm in a rush. I want to get home. I'm tired. I had a bad day at work. But you know what? Even though I don't, want to let, I don't want to be nice right now, I am. But God is calling us today to, I honestly think, in the day of Scripture, to just choose something that's not the most desirable. And that will help us. That will train us to start living a life of humility. To continue and deepening a life of humility. So that's the first one. Pick something that's less desirable. The second one. This is the fun one. Don't complain about picking the thing that's less desirable. Don't complain just in general. When I was, uh, before I entered seminary, we went, I was working at a summer camp, and we made a deal with a group of high school boys that was in my cabin, 13, 14-year-old boys. We said, this week, no complaining. Now, we are in East Texas. It is 110 degrees on average. Uh, the place is called Big Sandy, so there's sand literally everywhere. And we had no air conditioning in these little cabins. There was a lot of reasons to complain. <laughs> but I remember at the beginning of the week when we made this deal with the guys, we said, look, we're not going to complain. And the reason why is because when we complain with our mouth is because we're not being grateful with our heart. We complain about what we don't have is because we're losing sight of what we do. So no complaining. Now, 30 minutes in when we did 50 push-ups, it was, it was rough, right? But we trained ourselves really quickly to not complain. And at the end of the week, the guys, they were more gracious and, more, and more, they had more gratitude about the things they had because they just made a commitment not to complain. So we want to grow in a sense of humility. Let's be grateful for what we do have and not for what we don't. So for the second thing, not complain. The third thing, the final thing, and I think the most important thing of these three, if we want to grow in humility, if we want to recognize ourselves before God in light of how we really stand, go to confession once a month. Now, whoa, whoa, Father, like, whoa, slow down. I, I, I'm, with, I'm, I'm tracking with you with the first two, but the confession once a month? Like, look, I ain't, I ain't killed nobody. I, I, ain't, I ain't, like, done too many bad things. Once a month? That's a lot. John Paul II, one of the greatest saints of the last century, he went to confession once a week. If we can go to confession, and I think one of the reasons why he's one of the greatest saints of the last century is because he recognized himself before God. Because when we walk into a confessional, it's, you're not coming to see me. <laughs> 
You're not coming to see Father Noah's. You come and experience the mercy of God. You're putting yourself before the Lord and recognizing I'm limited. I've, I've fallen short. I've messed up. And it humbles us. It makes us recognize that God is a lot bigger than our sin, that God is a lot bigger than our gifts, that God is a lot bigger than us in general. So putting us in confession once a month, what it does is it trains us to know how to stand before God more. And it keeps us humble. If we want to live a life that, that, that is a humble life, this is a, three steps, but three easy steps. Three very, very basic things that we can do in our day-to-day now to start living a more humble life. And I promise you, if we do this, if we do this over the next one, two, three months, you'll see it. You'll see in your life that all of a sudden, man, I'm living a life that looks a lot more like there is a God. I'm not him. But everything in my life is starting to point to him. So today, we come to celebrate this Mass. We come to receive the Lord. We come to be before the Lord again. The God of mercy, the God of compassion, the God of power and might. We come before Him today with just a little bit of homework to take with us. Of going to confession once a month, of not complaining, and of picking the thing that's less desirable. So today, as we come, let us live a life as if God is real, that I'm not him, and that everything in my life points to him. Amen.